Reddit user Abior, A-B-I-I-O-R 17 asks, how can I still make this a good summer? I'm going to be working as a hostess at a super busy restaurant and taking economics and English online for school. I turned 20 in August, so this will be my last summer to be a teenager. How do I still make it a good one? All my friends are back at their parents since Corona, and because it's summer, I won't be seeing a lot of them. The pool at my apartment shut down, and because of Corona, I won't be going to a beach or anything anytime soon. How can I still make this a fun summer? Does anyone have time management tips or ideas or anything about stress management? I don't want to be miserable all summer and then go back to school in the fall burnt out. Any advice is welcome. Thanks. Ooh, thank you for that question, uh, Abby Orr. Is that how you say it? I have no idea, but that's how I did. Okay. <laughs> so I chose to. <laughs> we'll um, let them correct us. <laughs> first thing I want to say is uh, you don't have to do anything differently when you turn 20. It's not like you have <laughs> certain teen privileges that are about to get removed. So hopefully that can uh, remove some stress. Um, yeah, entering that new decade doesn't mean like, hey, this is a teens only club. You're too old for it. I don't think anyone's going to say that. Um, <laughs> so you get to continue uh, living out your teenage dreams a year delayed or two years delayed if you want to, uh, summer or the next. 21 That's true. is actually, That's you true. get access to more things. There is a lot of adult life that is spent acting out teen patterns. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's okay. I, I don't know. Maybe there's someone in your life that thinks that's something that's just for teens. But I think that uh, my experience has been people as a whole don't treat 20 year olds uh, that differently from 19 you know, year olds. It's funny though, because expectations for them. yeah, I, like I, it feels internal though. Cause I totally understand what they're saying. I I'm assuming it's a she because they said working at a hostess instead of a host. Mm -hmm. um, that's a I think that's a fair assumption. assumption, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I definitely understand what she's saying, though, because I am, let's see, what, like one week from turning 30? So Well, 30, you do have to be different. You have to you stop, you have to stop going, acting you like you're in your 20s. You doing what you're doing. You're 20, <laughs> you're 30. So, that one. <laughs> you, but right. So, like, there are these expectations of, of certain things that, oh, okay, now I'm maturing out of that phase in my life. Or just, for me, it's more about wanting to kind of close the chapter of my 20s in a certain mm -hmm. way than, than saying like, Oh, I can't behave like I'm in my twenties anymore. But like, I, I really understand that sense of being like, okay, how can I really like write the last chapter of this phase in a way that is like, you know, triumphant or makes the most of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry. So what was the rest of what you were going to say? Um, I think that's all I have to say about okay. the, the 1920 distinction. Right. Um, Next is I, I'd like to encourage her to set dates, protect time to uh, do things just because they feel nice, mm. like watching a sunrise or a sunset um, and look, keep on the lookout for opportunities to uh, like get some of those feelings that if this was a typical summer and she had all the freedom that she wanted, she could do those things. Um, it might not be every day, but like block out dates of, okay, here's three hours this night. I'm going to either go on a hike or um, play a game with my friends. I don't know whether they can see people in person. Um, probably at least with social distancing, you could meet up outside. And, yeah. Um, well, she's saying a lot of her friends of are not still, I guess, where she goes to school or where, yeah. wherever she is. So she, she might not have that much access to her friends in person. I would uh, then I would write a list of things that you've enjoyed mm. in previous summers. What like defines summer to you? Yeah, and then look for ways to um, recapture those feelings with some modifications, perhaps, and um, let yourself mourn the things that are not as likely to happen or that don't happen at the end of the summer, but. Um, look for ways to recapture that summer magic. Yeah. What do you think, Morgan? I think that's a great idea because summer is definitely a time where 
I feel a lot of magic. I feel like it's like the reason I bother living the rest of the seasons Mm -hmm. is so that I can enjoy um, being outside and feeling warm and wearing. Oh, okay. Here's a great, here's something. I got it. So one thing that you could do is think about all the things that you are excited to wear when it comes to be summertime. Mm -hmm. Um, So for a female that might be for a female like me, I should say that might be mm-hmm. wearing a sundress or I like uh, wearing short jean overalls um, or flip flops or a bathing suit. So mm-hmm. maybe something that she could do uh, is to go online and buy a bathing suit. Doesn't have to be something expensive or anything, but just something that you're like, Ooh, I'm excited to see how I would look in this. And you know, wear it, do a fashion show at your house for no one or, you know, for, for a friend remotely, you could, um, you could, uh, compile, okay, what are all my favorite look going to be my favorite looks for this summer and like model Mm -hmm. them for your friends and with your friends and everybody could share, um, you know, their favorite pair of sunglasses, their favorite, uh, cover up or swimsuit or sandals, whatever. Um, you know, that it's, it's, Obviously, it kind of depends on that being the kind of thing that you enjoy doing, but that's just sort of one idea for, okay, what are the seasonal changes that come with summer and what makes it, what makes it that, that period of just like, ah, I get to like go out and kind of be seen and be exposed to the elements and enjoy nature. Okay, what elements of that, as you said, can, can we still bring to the table even though you know, it, it may not be because you are all going to the pool together and you get to actually wear it in the pool, um, which is there's no shortage of that being a bummer. Like I yeah, I really feel for you, um, especially especially given what you said about the fact that you already have a lot of things that are encroaching on your summertime, like school and your job. Um, yeah. So as you asked for also time management strategies, or, or I guess, I think that, I think that one way to frame that is more of like, okay, what are the, what are the things that you can't change? You can't change that you've got to go to work and you can't change that you've got to, uh, you know, spend some of your time in online class or studying or whatever. Mm -hmm. But like you said, how can you actually maximize the time that you spend not doing those things where you're on your own agenda and so sometimes I feel like a, a thing that you can do for that is really being mindful of the balance of how you spend your time. So sometimes you might want to give yourself a structure so that you get to like, okay, today I've got five hours free, so I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do my FaceTime with friends um, and really packing a bunch of things in that are fun and that you enjoy. Or sometimes it might just be, okay, I'm going to do one thing that I enjoy and I'm just going to really make an effort to be present 100% of the time of it. And I'm going to take in the full spectrum of what my five senses are feeling in this moment. Because a lot of times we do things that are fun, um, but then we still aren't really soaking it up in a way that, you know actually kind of imprints it in our brain and gets us to think like, wow, I spent the day in a really fun way. Sometimes our minds are wandering the whole time we're doing it. We're not really present. We're on our phone or, you know, we're thinking about other things. So I think that one of the best sort of quote unquote time management strategies is just to be present for whatever amount of time you do get to have free. Um, And I think that Oh, the other thing I was going to say is I'm, I'm my answer is so scattered. I'm sorry about that. But no, you're doing good. I, I like it. <laughs> so in a in a balance too from the like, okay, I'm going to jam in a few like three or four activities that I know I really want to do. Structuring, choosing not to structure a period of time, as well, where you can just mm-hmm. kind of lean into being your own inner child and just let your sense of wonder or curiosity lead and decide what you're going to do in the moment. Like, okay, maybe you're going to finger paint or you're just going to walk outside of your house and you're going to notice five different cool flowers that you see. Just really Mm -hmm. like leaning in hard to not just not being a teenager because 
that's those things aren't necessarily like hallmarks of being a teenager, stopping and smelling the roses, but letting letting your inner child play, taking that side of yourself out and about in the world and letting go of the frame of mind that you have to walk around in when you're at work or in school. I think um, some little things you can do to remind yourself of summer and make it feel like uh, summer's past uh, could be collecting foods that are, are summery, like watermelon, mm-hmm. um, anything like hot dogs, barbecued, those uh, bomb pops or uh, popsicles with the red, white, and blue on them. <laughs> oh, yeah, rocket. Just, yeah. just that, like, yeah, rocket pops, yeah. a little treat like that. Um that's such a pina a colada or um, mm. other like iced sweet drinks. Um, you don't need to have a pool, but it might bring you back to that state of mind and feel like a festive. Some way to recognize little acknowledgments of summer. Um, a sparkler before dinner. Um, those little snap pops that you throw on the ground and make a, a pop noise. These aren't <laughs> fully fledged fireworks, but those uh, little snakes pellets that you light with a lighter and then a snake grows out of it. Um, a summer playlist. Yes, of, uh, I was literally just thinking that. Summer past. <gasps> yes, you know maybe it's um, Diplo and Moe's I just want someone to lean on. Lean that on. song, I think it's called <laughs> Lean On. Yeah, that was a song of the summer in maybe 2015. Yeah, uh, you were probably 14ish then. That could be one that you go back to, or maybe it's a throwback like Mungo Jerry's in the summertime. <laughs> Um, we're in the summertime with the river. With the weather's fire, you can stretch right up and touch the sky. Um, <laughs> Whatever it means make summer to play you. <laughs> yeah, when you're on the way to work or just to, to help you like reclaim some of that summer magic. Yeah, I think the I think those are great ideas. Um, Thank you. I you can wear a bathing suit under your clothes at work. <laughs> yes. What? <laughs> yeah. No, definitely. You definitely can. Um, Something that I did yesterday with a different objective wasn't it wasn't to like make the most of summer, but giving yourself a pedicure so that you love the way that your feet look when you're wearing your favorite sandals. Um, mm, but okay. I was also going to say I'm surprised that she's still getting to work at a ho- as a hostess at a busy restaurant. Um, and if you are getting to interact with people like that, you can bring that idea of how do I want to feel like it's summer into your interactions with those people? You could even ask them, like, what are you doing to stay, you know, to keep having fun this summer? What are you, how are you uh, celebrating the warm weather? I don't know where you live. I don't know how rare <laughs> warm weather is for us mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. It's, it's sort of a constant, um, but you can kind of play a game with the people that come in asking yourself how how is this person getting their summer on right now mm-hmm. maybe they have a tan maybe they have their hair has beads in it like they were on a you know <laughs> in the caribbean and uh, something um maybe they like have a, a hawaiian shirt on and you can compliment people for the ways that hey you're really s- summering it up thanks for summering <laughs> up my day yeah yeah and i think that i think that the overall most important thing that that a lot of what we're talking about is pointing to is that these external markers of summer are really just triggering a a frame of mind. Um, They're really kind of just trying to point to, as Rob said in the beginning, like, what does summer mean to you? Like, to me, summer is a time when friends are hanging out, you know, it's gathering, it's uh, just kind of being feeling looser and maybe feeling freer to, to do different activities. Like if you're used to kind of mm-hmm. a school schedule, summer is the time when you have freedom. Um, and so how can you, how can you use your time in a way that, that makes it feel the most free, even when you're doing something that is, you know, someone else's agenda, like you're in an English class. Okay. How can, can you I... do the online class in the sunshine? <laughs> yeah. You know, how can I find you freedom can get sunshine on you? Yeah. How can I find my summer state of mind and my freedom within this predetermined activity? Mm-hmm. Um, and then really soaking it up, just mm-hmm. letting yourself actually relax in the moments that you have to relax. Um, yeah, 
feeling the summer breeze, feeling maybe sand between your toes. I don't know how close to a beach you can get, but <laughs> um, yeah, so make a list. Make a list of all the things that summer means to you and get creative about, okay, how can you still accomplish that in name, even if not in totality? Like going to the yes. beach could mean, okay, I'm going to put on nature sounds of the ocean and wear mm -hmm. sunglasses and sit in the sun and, and have bare feet. It's not the same thing, of course. Mm -hmm. And you have if to give you, up if on it being the same. you have a seashell, you can listen to the waves inside <laughs> yeah. of the seashell. Yeah. Yeah. It's an invitation to get creative. Um, mm -hmm. even, even though it sucks and even though, you know, you're already busy with so many things and it's like, you don't want to, it, it may sound exhausting to be like, oh God, another project versus like a season I used to be able to just effortlessly Something enjoy. you can daydream about though, if you have dull moments hostessing. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, I have an yes. idea. What? I would watch kids, observe kids. Kids just like run around and play all the time and just act like the world is their summer playground. So see mm -hmm. what you can get out of just watching that kind of carefree, playful mindset exhibited in other people. Um, see what attitudes you can hone in yourself. There's an old Hungarian adage, the children know no winter. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's so Hungarian of them. Um, right. <laughs> so do we have any other last words for Abior or do we want to, uh, get the show started? No. We threw a lot at her, though. Do we you did. think we should summarize? Uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Okay. Just kidding. No, I don't want to summarize that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I think that I think we did kind of we did move into like a summarizing place of saying, like, figure out what means summer to you and find a creative way mm -hmm. to go execute it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was just reaching for the pun because the summer is in summarize. <laughs> I got you. I got you. <laughs> yep. Um, all right. Let's start the show. Perfect. Welcome back, free advisees, ow, to ow. the honorary first episode of summer 2020. <laughs> <laughs> that was a what? firework. That's amazing. When does summer actually start? I mean, Memorial Day weekend is the spiritual oh, okay. beginning of summer. The spiritual. Honestly, though, I believe it's June 21st. I think yeah. it usually starts on the 21st of oh, okay. uh, months. Feels like summer to me. Yeah. The first day of summer was the longest day of the year. Mm. I would have put that in the middle of summer, personally. I think all of the seasons start a little too late. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. This is definitely. Well, the I would like of to summer. shift that back. If <laughs> yeah. I, if if we did a a month or a three week, um, retreat. What do you call that? Push up, anti delay on <laughs> each of the seasons. I would be happy. Start uh -huh. it on the first of that month. Why not start summer on the first of June? Right. I guess you have that astronomical occurrence of you know the sun being up for the longest. Yeah, um, I'm sure there's stuff but... beyond just us and how we feel that made it Go the decision on. that it was. Why can't it be at the beginning of a month, though? That seems like let the complete month be in the season. I mean, look, I agree with you. I, I've i thought this for as long as I've had thoughts. It doesn't make really? any sense to me. Yeah, because, well, okay, so as I alluded to earlier, my birthday is mm -hmm. coming up. And I've always thought oh, of yeah. my birthday as being in the summer, but technically summer starts, as you said, like late June. But I'm like, what? no, it's already happening. It's right. we're well into right. summer. Um, although in, in fairness, I will say that like every time it's spring, I'm surprised how long it takes until it gets back into like full fledged warm weather. Mm. You, do you feel like it's full fledged warm weather for you now here? Yeah, I do. In Los Angeles? I do. Me too. I do, at the end Me of too. May. But I do think it was a recent oh. switch. 
Like it was not the beginning of May. I don't think was full fledged. Mm. Um, but would I still call it spring? I don't know. I don't know. Um, if you guys have any input on what you think, (laughs) how you think the seasons should be structured for the upcoming letter to our Senator campaign, we're going to (laughs) run. You let us know. (laughs) Okay. Uh, How would, if you could change our system of keeping track of time Mm. in any way, Mm. would you change something? Um, absolutely. I think the first change is just get rid of daylight savings time and the opposite of daylight savings time. Yeah. To me, there's no point. I'm with you. There's no point. Um, it kills people. (laughs) Do you support murder? What do you mean? It kills people. Um, the day, the week after people lose an hour of sleep, there's a lot more emergency room visits. Really? Heart attacks, shit like that, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, plenty of things cause a single person to lose an hour of sleep at random moments, but just having one for no reason in the aggregate hurts the population. Mm. Sort of like the statistic about left-handed people dying sooner, which I heard... (laughs) I'm yeah. reluctant to admit the source that I heard this from, but um, it was Jerry Springer. No, it was uh, Love Island. One of the mm. people on Love Island was describing this. They were, I think, I think it was a doctor, and he was basically saying like the reason that on average left-handed people uh, have lower life expectancy is because the world is built for right-handed people, and so as left-handed people age, you know, you get clumsy, you lose your faculties, and you kind of just approach the world. Uh, with less, uh, you know, sh- not a sharp judgment and, and f- precise physical movements. And so you're just, you're kind of, you, those mismatches in how the world is built and how you approach it as you age create that figure. So, hmm. yeah, it's a shame. I wonder if it has anything to do with being less, uh, liter- to being more right-brained mm. in that resulting in making less money or um, being generally less uh, like civilized, like more of a, a creature of the <laughs> <What>? wild. <laughs> Left-handed people are kind of more creatures of the wild. I think that's <laughs> safe to say. Left-handed people are less civilized. Rob Zaleski, 2020. Um, yeah, not okay. Uh, obviously, I'm speaking in generalities here, but like <laughs> another way of looking at it is right-handed people are more like cut and dry and out of touch with their um, woo-woo side. You're saying if their, this if there's a genuine correspondence to right and left brain strengthenedness. I mean, isn't there? Aren't there I more artists that are left that are left-handed? I don't know. Both of my parents are left-handed. I believe so. And you ended up right. I ended up right. Hmm. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. Interesting. Um, well, yeah, we've got a lot of questions today. So if you're ready, I say we get back into them. Let's do it. All right. So the next question comes to us from Reddit user Brightwood one. My parents, my parents think I'm faking about my migraines. Pretty much what I said in the title. I've been having migraines, uh, since May 2nd at the back of my head. I can feel it come and go, and I complained about it a while back now. Saturday, I did the same, and I was feeling a bit better. I told my parents I was feeling better than yesterday. Then they got mad at me and saying now I'm faking. But I truly feel pressure behind my head. I got angry and told them if they don't believe me, then I'll walk to the ER if it happens again. Do you guys think that's the right way to go about it? I'm just very much upset they think I'm an attention seeker and a liar now. Hmm... Walking to the ER, I don't know. could be dangerous. Depends on how long of a walk it is, what kind of obstacles come in between you and it, and whether that could exacerbate the migraine. I don't know if that's the right decision. Uh, do we have an age on this person? We don't, but I think that I, I can I can assume probably that it sounds like there might be a minor. So Pre-driving age. Yeah. Yeah. How do you get your parents to take this more seriously? Right. 
Yeah. Um, jumping in with one of the reasons I chose this question uh, yeah. is because I was accused many times about of being a hypochondriac by my parents. And I know how shitty it feels. It sucks to not be believed and to be made to feel like you're exaggerating something um, or just the, the, the implication that you're not trustworthy. And so it's like, okay, so what are you going to not believe anything that I say just because you don't want to think that, that, that I'm having this physical problem or, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's a, it's a very insulting um, place to be in. And it, and it just, it feels really hurtful and I've been there and it sucks. So what can they do to convince the parents that this is really happening? I mean, my thought is look up stories of other people who have had migraines and then it turned out to be something worse. I I think if you're concerned for your health, you should be able to see a doctor. Like, yeah, I wish that that was uh, uh, something your parents agreed with. Yeah. Um. It's a really difficult situation because, yeah, like in like you're saying, they are kind of in the driver's seat about if if any health care happens like that you're in this powerless position where you're reliant on them to take it seriously in order to get medical attention. Um, and, yeah, I think I think walking to the ER again, depending on all those external circumstances um, is potentially problematic. I think the problem to confront is why, why they don't believe you or, or what about the way that you're presenting it makes it seem inauthentic. Um, but it's hard because obviously you're bringing them, you're bringing this issue to them when you're experiencing it. And I've never gotten a migraine, but my, (laughs) ironically, uh, my mom gets them and, you know, they're, they're, they can be totally debilitating. Um, so maybe if you were to bring this issue to them at a time when you weren't feeling the effects of it and you weren't, so then therefore you weren't feeling as, um, you know, sort of physically spread thin, maybe you weren't feeling tired or angry or any of those things. And you just said, you know, I want to have this honest conversation with you because it's really troubling to me that, you know, you're not taking my claim seriously and it makes me feel like I can't come to you with things. Um, but it depends on your parents. Yeah. That could that could initiate a, a really uncomfortable uh, conversation that might get absolutely nowhere and make you feel worse. That's definitely happened to me as well. <laughs> I'm my first guess, which is informed by my experience with my family, is that they might think that you're trying to get out of something. Mm. Um, this is something my parents thought about uh, my brother, um, is that this is an excuse to avoid some commitment, going to school, going to you know a test, whatever, camp. Um, if there is a history of that, I think saying, like, if you've ever used a medical excuse, you know, faked a fever to stay home from school, like, Admitting that and telling them that this is different, um, mm. establishing a distinction, being like, yes, when I was eight, whatever, I, I you know, pretended to throw up or gag myself to throw up to stay home from, um, what would you be in uh, second grade? Yeah, I've done um, it. <laughs> I've done that. <laughs> like drawing a distinction between this and that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Because this Good seems idea. serious. Another thought is if you can't get them to help you... Um, if you have aunts, uncles, grandparents, mm-hmm. cousins, um, asking them for help and explaining that your parents aren't taking this seriously, sometimes just that their their shame of not wanting to be seen as bad parents by the family um, could motivate them to be like, okay, we'll we'll handle this because we don't want you reaching out and disturbing, like you know, having that reflect poorly on us. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Yeah, those are, those are my thoughts. That's exactly what I was going to say next is like to seek out someone else that you trust um, mm-hmm. because they're not going to have the same sort of blind spots about it that your parents are going to have. And I I did this exact same thing I when I was maybe, 
I don't know, early high school or late high school, I went to my mom and I told her that I thought I was depressed and she blew it off and, you know, I said I wanted to see a therapist and she basically blew it off and said, you need to exercise more and take vitamins. So I went to my grandmother, her mom, um, and asked for help with finding someone. And then when she agreed to do that, then we went back to my mom and said, look, it's happening. So (laughs) get on board. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's exactly what was going on. I think it was the fear of being being seen as a bad parent, but in both directions, the fear of being seen as a bad parent for not not wanting me to get help, uh, you know, trying to minimize the problem. And then you know, now that it's been brought to this other person, it's like, okay, now I have to take this more seriously. Cause I, I do think that like, it's a huge shame that as a, as a way I think of kind of, uh, living with your kids in general, but also controlling their behavior that you kind of parents, um, you know, over time have to desensitize themselves somewhat to what, what's going on with their kids. Um, Mm -hmm. and then I think that leads to, you know, them not taking them seriously. And it's also like, you know, parents have this idea of their kids as being much younger in their heads too, I think sometimes because they've seen them through all of those younger ages. And so I think that there is generally a tendency for, for parents to kind of belittle or minimize, their, what their kids are going through because in their eyes, it's like, oh, well, you know, they see them as little, see them as much mm-hmm. smaller and maybe, maybe to some extent don't accept that their kids are growing and gaining more independence and being more able to advocate for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. This could be a, a fight that gains you ground that's, that's worth it even beyond migraines because it's a way of uh, asserting your adulthood, uh, getting them to take you more seriously generally. And um, yeah, fighting for that is worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And I also want to challenge uh, the assumption that you're an attention seeker or a liar. I mean, I understand that it makes you upset to, to think that they think that of you, but you know, at the end of the day, it's important what you think of you. And Mm -hmm. I, the other thing, the other thing that I think is sad is that we have this idea that attention seeking is a bad thing. We all need attention. (laughs) We all need someone to look at our boo-boo and say like, oh, that must really hurt. And let me kiss it and make it better for you. And to just sit with the hurt and feel someone's pain and receive attention when we're struggling. Um, And I think that it's it's taken on such a negative such a negative connotation to like need help or to crave attention it it's something that we all need it's completely natural um but yeah people get treated get infantilized for it or um you know belittled for it and just just know um that you're all right in our books and you know, you know how seriously you need to take this because you're the only one that's living in your body. No one else can tell you that something is or isn't going on in your body or that, you know, that mm-hmm. you, something that you're feeling is um, not the case. So just let this also be a lesson. And like, you know what, sometimes I have to trust myself, even when it goes against what someone who I used to go to for knowing what was going on with me says it's not. Yeah. Well said. Oh, thank you. Thanks. All right. You want to jump into the next question? Uh, I'm ready. All right. Cool. So this one comes to us from Esmeralda's Hills. What a Uh, lovely name. Just rolls off the tongue. How do you accept being just average? I'm not the smartest or the prettiest woman. How can I accept being average in appearance and intelligence? Um, first thought is pick, pick a thing that you're not average at and smile at that. <laughs> something, 
something else. <laughs> yeah. So there probably are, even though there are things where you experience yourself as average, there probably are things that you are particularly skilled at that you can celebrate. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, this is corny as hell, but like we're all these unique tapestries of human beings composed of our attributes, our experiences, the, the ways that we approach life. I, you know what? That's, I'm going to segue into that. I'm going to lean into that as being the crux of my answer. Um, okay. cause it's something I read recently. It's like, it's sort of less about like what we're doing and we can really lean into how we're doing something. How do we mm-hmm. approach the world? What is the lens through which we see things? And so, yeah, like none of us are ever going to be, we all have to give up the idea that we are somehow the most special, the most attractive, the smartest, the best at anything. Because even if we were, we wouldn't even know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just not possible. There are just too many people in the world. And it's, it's sort of a childlike magical thinking thing that we have to give up that, that comes from, you know, our parents conditioning us like, oh my God, you're the apple of my eye and you're just the most special, most adorable, most wonderful child in the whole wide world. Um, yeah. It's lovely. And all these stories about the one, the, the special <laughs> chosen one that saves the world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and those are things that are exploited in media and, you know, by people that love us. And it's great. We, sh- we should feel special to the people that love us and we should tell mm-hmm. them that they're special to us. But part of growing up and, um, you know, figuring out, figuring out what really is our place in the world is letting go of the idea that we have to be the most, the superlative version of anything. It's, it's so much more about finding what subjectively feels good to us and like finding the right intersection of, okay, what am I talented about? What uh, do I actually enjoy doing? What kind of things, skills and traits does the world need more of? And what's, what's valuable about me? Like it's the intersection of all those things where we find, oh, okay, here's my place in the world. And I think mm-hmm. that finding our unique place in the world based on what are the tools that we have in our toolkit and what are the things that we are really passionate about cultivating, that's more important than if we seek to accept ourselves as we are, that's more important than trying to walk around with this misconception that we have to be the best. Yeah. You won't be the best in the whole world, but if you narrow the scope, if you're in a car with three other people, you might be the best at um, looking up restaurant reviews <laughs> or you might be, yeah. you might be the best at, um, you know, knowing a game to pass the time. Um, you might be the best listener um, or interviewer to get somebody else to talk about something, or um, you might be the most sensitive to the, the temperature in the car. You get to pick your own thing, but like if you reduce the size of the groups, the, the, the like tribe that you see yourself operating within from moment to moment, you'll find that you are the superlative at something amongst that group of people. Maybe you're the youngest mm. and that has a certain, like people like to um, be on better behavior around younger people and it gives them some type of hope and they like sharing their stories. It makes them feel good about themselves. Um, I think that the underlying question is like, how do I play a role? It, how do I find a, um, yeah, a, a role for myself? I want to challenge the idea that you're of average attractiveness and intelligence too, because that seems to assume that there's one standard of intelligence and one mm. standard of attractiveness that mm. everyone falls upon. Like in some situations you will be, you will have the right type of intelligence. I, I heard one model that there yeah. are like eight types of intelligence, um, visual, mathematical, spatial, athletic, uh, musical, natural, like intuitive sense of what's poisonous and what's not. Um, and a couple others that I'm forgetting, but, um, you know, it might not school pretty much tests on, um, 
spatial and linguistic intelligence, but that doesn't mean that you might not excel in some other thing, or just even having an interest in something that other people aren't interested in gives you a, a relative uh, increased intelligence or increased uh, body of knowledge on that topic. Yeah. Yeah. I think I that's mean, great. Specializing. Anything to distinguish yourself, anything that you're a little more interested in than other people, you can lean into that and then you will have that functional intelligence in the topic. Right. Right. Because you can demonstrate... I like to think of, I like to think of intelligence too, as not just like, okay, what are the knowledge bases that come that you, that you already have like built in, like, you know, software on a computer and more think about like intelligence. When I, when I meet someone and think like, oh, that's an intelligent person. It isn't necessarily because they're like hammering me with facts and all kinds of like things like that. Sometimes it's just kind of like I said before, like the way they approach a topic or like just the fact that they're interested in a lot of things or, you know, it can be, it can be all these little nuances. So I, I, I don't know. I still think, I still think that in some way we're kind of, we're, we're going around the question. Like we're talking about things that they can do to, to feel more intelligent and attractive maybe. But I feel like yeah. some of what we're missing is the essence of the question is just how can I accept where I am and who I am? Mm -hmm. um, and that is like a earned, can, <laughs> some people spend their whole lives trying to like earn their own self acceptance. Um, and, and there's like a, a simple answer, but it's really difficult, which is that, you can just make the decision to accept yourself the way that you are. Um, it's, it's this, it's this underlying sense that I think pretty much everyone has or runs around avoiding, which is that we're, we're somehow bad or unworthy or undeserving of love um, mm -hmm. at our core, this, this like fundamental badness principle. Um, and then that, that leads us to going to all these different things like, oh, okay, maybe I'm bad because I'm not smart enough, or maybe I'm bad because I'm not attractive enough. And then trying to then sort of fixating on those as the, the answers to this problem, quote unquote, that we, this problem that we think we have, that we're bad or we're not enough. And it's, it's really interrogating the question itself and like what is underlying that that can help you kind of upend the sense that really any of those things need to be more or better in order for you to be acceptable. Like we already are kind of put on this earth and we didn't choose how or what or with whom we got put on this earth with. Um, and it's, I think that the happier that I am is, the more that I recognize like, oh, this, this idea that I'm, that I'm not enough in these ways is, is, is just the way that I'm thinking about the fact that human beings come into this world anxious and striving and wanting to do their best and comparing themselves to others. And we kind of fill in the blanks about how to overcome that. But if we can just mm -hmm. kind of relax into the present moment, and open open up the the boundary between how how we are being and like what's what's true in our heart and like what that sort of fundamental loving accepting energy is we can see it when we when we regard other people a lot of times like a lot of mm -hmm. times it's easier to cultivate love or kindness um, or acceptance for others because we get this that's where we can tap into the sense that like, Oh, of course they deserve it. Cause they're here. They're living, they're breathing, they're existing. So we can, we can see that it's there for other people and then allow ourselves to consider the possibility that we deserve the same consideration. And then just cultivating the ability to spin that energy to enfold us as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like that. You could practice, um, like a, a non-comparative acceptance of any other living thing, preferably non-human, you know, look mm -hmm. at a tree, look mm -hmm. at a, a bug, look at a, a, um, a mouse if it doesn't scare you and just <laughs> think like, 
oh, this doesn't have to be. Am, am I upset at this tree? Is this tree un, unworthy or bad for being not the tallest or not the, having the most leaves or yeah. not being some superlative in its category? It's just it's just accepting that and then trying to look at yourself with those same, same eyes. Yeah. And the pathway to actually, you know, going out there and, and growing and evolving, I think, is to accept yourself the way that you are. Um, that's, that's the first step to making any kind of changes or improvements or investing in yourself is just to take your whole self with you on that journey by making the commitment to accepting yourself as you are. It's, it's an extremely, like, it's theoretically very simple. And then in actuality to practice it and, and live it and breathe it like every minute of every day and actually uproot all the things that we do constantly that tell us otherwise it's extremely challenging (laughs) but it does get easier when you practice it i suspect that what's underlying this question um if you're anything like me is a feeling that you're not um as connected to the people around you or as valuable to the people Mm. around you as you'd like to be and um yeah that that's what causes me to have these types of thoughts about myself of focusing on averages or not being exceptional and then trying to like figure out a way to become exceptional or become okay with that to like, I, I don't have these thoughts as much when I feel like I'm a part of uh, a group, people that care about me and I care about them and we're interacting f- frequently like those social needs are being met. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I agree. I, I, I really like that you shared that. It, I, I do think that sense of like wanting to be the most at something is this, this um, assignment we, we give ourselves because we, we, our ego thinks, okay, if I am safely securing my spot as like the funniest person in the room, I'm always going to get invited. I'm always yeah. going to be loved. There's always going to be love for me. Um, Right. That doesn't guarantee shit. Even if you are the funniest person in the room, you could also be the biggest asshole. <laughs> yes. There are there are no guarantees. Like there we have so much uncertainty to just tolerate as part of the human experience and we have these hella advanced brains that allow us to think about it all the time um and come up with extremely complicated justifications and explanations for everything. Um but like when it what it boils down to is like if you want to feel more loved or if you think that being attractive or being intelligent is this like ticket, this guaranteed ticket to love, you're, you're ignoring the fact that you have the ability at any time to find more love for yourself. Um, whether it's within kind of cultivating the practice that we talked about or, you know, other people coming in and out of your life that help to reflect that love back to you. Um, we have within ourselves, our physiology, our brains, all the things necessary to make us feel love. It's just other people yeah. sometimes bring that out in us. And then we get it, then we get nervous about our attachments to those other people because we think, oh my God, if this person isn't in my life anymore, validating that I'm this way, this way, this way, this way, I'm never gonna have access to that. But Everything that we need to feel love is hardwired into us, and we often forget that. Yeah. My short answer for how to um, accept being average is to focus on like uh, ways to do good things for strangers or, mm. or other people that you know, and then that yes. becomes – then it doesn't really matter if you're average because you, you'll feel good about doing those things, and that'll just seem more important. Yeah, because you're you're showing yourself that it can be created. It can multiply. It's not just this finite yeah. source that we're all competing over. You don't yeah. need to be the best, the most attractive, the most intelligent in order to have access to those things. You could generate them for yourself. Um but I would also I would also think that there are probably lots of things about you that would make other people think that you are attractive and intelligent. So you could, Mm -hmm. you could spend some time, uh, changing your frame of mind and 
challenging yourself to, to think about those. Um, the other thing that's built into our brains is the negativity bias where we're always scanning for flaws and we have to really actively work to uproot that and look for the things that are good about us. Yes. Um, this is, uh, well, I, I don't mean to be heteronormative on the attractiveness <laughs> issue, but go um, ahead. If you're, if you're a woman who is interested in the attention of uh, men, um, men are more, uh, interested in a broader collection of types mm. of women and, um, men who like a type of women, um, you know, a, a certain shape or style tend to really like that. And, um, I believe women's attractive attraction to men is more focused on a certain, uh, like it, it's more unified on one type. So whatever you mm. think is average about your, there, there is something that sets you apart. Um, maybe it's having really curly hair. Then like, if you lean into that, um, and let your hair grow out and let it be really curly. The people who like that will really, really like it. Um, yeah. and you won't be average to them. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's a great addendum. Um, and yeah, I do find that, I do find that to be true. It's like, if you also, if you, if you know what's really attractive about you or what's unique about you, it may not even necessarily be like attractive or unattractive and you lean into that that creates a different facet of attractiveness in you because you're now someone who knows yourself well enough to know what to highlight. Um, yeah. And that's an extremely attractive quality, knowing yourself mm -hmm. well and showing off what, what you're confident about. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Well done. I love it. Um, yeah, I would love to would love to hear your feedback on if you try to practice or think about any of the things that we've suggested um, and how that changes how you feel. So what yes, do you think? You can email us at, yes, at freeadvicepodcast at gmail.com or you can uh, respond to us on Reddit. Um, awesome. Do you want to take on one last question or do you want to wrap it up? Slip in another. All right. All right. Our last question comes to us from Reddit user L race, Beth underscore race of Beth. underscore crims. L race, Beth of crims. Okay. It could be I race Beth because hmm. it could be a capital I the, the difference between a capital I and a small L it's tough, tough. So I would redesign that <laughs> if I was in charge. Yeah. Always make the capital I have the little uh, mm -hmm. hat and podium stand. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I agree. Um, all right. So I race Beth or L race Beth mm -hmm. wants to know, why do I feel I owe people an explanation? Whenever I'm not bubbly and mm. sociable, people always ask me what's wrong. I know why they ask, but I usually feel the need to say something like, I'm just tired or I don't feel good instead of I'm fine. Anyone else do this? Why do I do this? How do I stop giving people explanations when they don't need them? I love this question. Hmm. What do you love about it? Um, I, I mean, I think that it's something that we all relate to, whether it's because people ask us this particular thing all the time or just like in, in any situation where we think that we have to give more information or justification to just be um, in order to like make sure everybody else is okay. Um, I, I am, I'm not someone who experiences this exact problem where people are always asking me what's wrong and I don't want to answer if like, I will always be able to find something that I can talk about <laughs> if someone asks me what's wrong. <laughs> so that's, that's to me, that just provides an opportunity to like unpack something or, or just to say like, uh, what's wrong. Okay. Let's see what's wrong. Oh, like, Oh, you know what you can. Okay. All right. Here's my answer to this question. Um, if someone asks you what's wrong, Instead of, 
going into something about you, which you it seems like you don't really wish to do to explain something about yourself, turn it back on them and say, what makes you ask that? And then get them talking about themselves. And then, you know, if they're asking you what's wrong, it might be about them anyway. So sometimes mm-hmm. you can, um, as obviously for me as a therapist or a coach, um, it, a lot of times people will ask me kind of personal questions or whatever. And I know that the whole arc of the session and everything we're there to do is about them. So it really doesn't generally help them too much for me to just offer a personal answer. It's, it's generally a better practice for me to find out, okay, what does them asking this question about me have to do with them? Um, and if your situation is that you would just prefer not to answer or you feel like you get this question all the time and it's frustrating, um, it might be a good technique to just see how you can turn the question back around on them, get them talking about themselves, and then boom, <laughs> you've magically you've avoided um, telling them, no, I'm fine, nothing's wrong. Um, but that may that that may not address the the core of like the frustration about why do you think that there's something wrong if there isn't yeah um one answer you could use is what's wrong our our cultural expectation for people to be happy <laughs> all the time as if yeah. there's a problem with uh, experiencing a range of emotions and um the, the dynamism that comes with the human experience. That's a great answer. I love that. Thanks. I would, I would bet that that would leave them speechless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think you could say that you don't understand yourself and the human psyche is a tangled mess of serpents in your underberg <laughs> with the, the underside of your iceberg, which is like your subconscious. And um, you could try to guess why you're uh, expressing yourself the way that you are or appearing to be um, unhappy. But studies show that people are terrible at diagnosing the sources of their moods Mm. studies show that (laughs) studies show you know you give people a a crossword puzzle and a word search and one of the words hidden is florida and then they walk slower on the way out of the room (laughs) they associate it with old people and then you ask them why they're walking slow and they give you some bullshit answer like Oh, well, I'm tired from those stairs earlier, but you have the data that shows everybody walked the same stairs. Some people got Florida and they're walking slower than, you know, so people just, people just make up shit like <laughs> the that people to, who, to explain their behavior. <laughs> the people who got New York. We all do. Just power walk out. Away. <laughs> yeah. They just jump out the window. <laughs> <laughs> they just want to get out as soon as possible. Yeah. That's not a 9-11 joke just to... Uh, I'm not talking about the people that jumped out of the upper stories of the uh, I was wondering, what were you talking about when you said they'd jump out of the window? Just Like it's an extreme speedy way to get okay. out of there. <laughs> I got you. It was not about September <laughs> not 11th, about 2001. Got it, got it, got it. Perfect. Um, yeah, so I think the other element of this question that I, I want to speak to quickly before we decide that we've done this person a great service by giving them lots yeah. and lots of <laughs> excellent content um, is – the crux of their question is like, why do they feel like they owe an explanation um, for not being bubbly and sociable? And I mean, I think you did address it to some extent where it's like some of it is just the culture. We're supposed to be happy all the time. Or if we're not, we're supposed to pretend like we are for everyone else's sake. So they don't have to do any emotional labor of, um, (laughs) you know, taking care of us or, or being, being there for a bad mood or rubbing off on them. Um, and I think if you're feeling like in a social situation that that's being asked of you to maintain this bubbly, sociable exterior, um, which I think is completely 
ingrained in all of us to some extent. Like I feel it too. Like I often, you know, I'm, I'm extra smiley and sometimes I am really just authentically letting internal joy show, but sometimes Mm -hmm. it does feel forced and I would prefer to not have to think that, you know, if I'm frowning or, or crying, God forbid, or pissed off, that that's the person I'm talking to is not going to think that that's about them. So I think the reason why is like a sense of empathy, a sense of empathy for the other person's experience. Mm-hmm. It's it's easier, quote unquote, to deal with someone that you don't have to console or uh, ask what's wrong, but then this sort of cultural prescription is if we notice that something's wrong with someone, we have to, oh, what's wrong? And oh, what's going on? Like, and that may not even, that may not be genuine either. So I think that it's, I think that what you're picking up on and observing in yourself is something that so many of us are, I don't want to say guilty of, because it's not wrong, but burdened with maybe. Can relate to. Can relate yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I think kind of the solution, if there is one, is to investigate what are your authentic feelings and make the effort to show them honestly, however you're feeling. Um, And to just before you leap into automatically um, assuring someone else that you're fine or trying to come up with an explanation – what is the, ask yourself, what is the simplest answer to this? Like if the question is just, is it what's wrong? You could just say nothing. The human condition. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> what? Yeah. I said the human condition. Could be your <laughs> <Yeah>. response. <laughs> I, I wonder if this question is really about privacy and setting boundaries. Like if it's, yeah. if you feel like you owe them the true answer when it's somebody that you don't want to reveal, you know, maybe you're upset about, um, a rejection or or just finding out that someone you had a crush on has, uh, is happy with somebody else. And that's not something that you want to tell this person, but you feel like you have to allude to that. Mm -hmm. Um, you could, a phrase that I practice pretty regularly is I'd rather not talk about that right now, or I'd rather not think about that at the moment. Mm. Um, if somebody asks me why I'm feeling a certain way and I just don't with them, um, it's not somebody, or maybe there's nobody that I want to get into that stuff with. Um, just try that and see how that feels to say, it's not something I feel like talking about right now. Hmm. Yeah. Like giving yourself that permission. It's something you kind of have to learn. It feels awkward at first. Yeah, it does. Cause you will feel that pull that I think that you're experiencing now of like, like, well, I better say something. And so you're kind of just like, "Mm, I'm fine. I'm tired. I'm whatever. But relaxing into that pull and just going, reminding yourself, like, I don't know this person, anything. They're just Mm -hmm. concerned. They're just following their, their script. Um, and I don't have to follow any particular script. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah, but it's hard. Good work, Morgan. Aw, thanks, Rob. Good work to you, too. (laughs) Good work to us, free advisors. Yeah. Um, Just uh, L. Ray Spith or I. Ray Spith of Crims. I would like to know where Crims is, what Crims is, um, what the actual name is. But yeah, if you... I would love to hear what you think about our suggestions and uh, if you try any of them out on someone, what feedback you get, what works, what doesn't yeah. work. would love to know. I'd love to hear about it the next time somebody asks what's wrong, what you do, yeah. how that goes. Yeah. And I think that experimenting with it, experimenting with different things and seeing how you feel is the key to eventually finding what the right balance is for you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, write us with your experience if you feel like it free advice podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. That goes for any of our, yes. any of our, uh, advisees, mm-hmm. um, anything. generous question askers. Yeah. 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 Thank you guys for, um, giving your community the opportunity to help you. It, it definitely, it makes me feel good. I like 
coming every week and um, seeing how I can use my kind of <laughs> presence or creative problem solving to to try to help someone else out. It's a great it's a great gift. Yeah, it is. We're doing good. <laughs> I meant them them giving us the opportunity, but we're also great. We're also awesome. <laughs> we're definitely we're also the good. most attractive and most intelligent. <laughs> we're doing good. You're doing good. <laughs> ten out of ten, everybody. <gasps> Big high five. Big high five. Fuck Better yeah. Wash those hands. Yeah. We are extending our socially distant hand wash high fives to everyone out there listening right into your ears. That good feeling, that crisp slap that you get. Right on the eardrum. The, when the high five is Cup just lined up. <laughs> right over the ear, airtight, hard. Yeah, you're getting an unwanted uh-huh. hand earmuff. <laughs> mm. I shattered my eardrum from that once. Really? Well, a friend shattered my eardrum. Yeah, it's oh, a little shit. game called Whiskey Slaps where you take oh. a pull of whiskey and then somebody slaps you. But Specifically if you get the ear? ear <laughs> no, it's supposed to be on the cheek. But, mm. you know, aim isn't isn't at its uh, peak <laughs> in this game. <laughs> Not Got the pinnacle it. of aiming. Got it. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, so watch out. Don't go in the ocean. It stings afterwards. <laughs> Salt water getting in there. Ah! Oh my god! Give it about a month. It heals up, and you hear everything fine. Ah! Oh, wow! Some some bonus free advice. <laughs> a little bonus. <laughs> we wanted to treat you guys because you've been so good. Oh yeah. Some yeah. post whiskey slaps, ocean related aftercare advice. <laughs> yeah. Next time, Morgan will tell you about some of her hijinks. At the end of the <laughs> out of the next episode. Yeah. Sneak peek. All right, uh-huh. guys. It's been fun. Another hour well spent with you guys. We enjoyed it. Yeah. We hope you did too. Mm-hmm. Building up a library. So, you know, you can always go back and listen to old episodes if this leaves you hanging, if you're wanting for more right now. Oh, Most yeah. of our advice is timeless. Timeless. Completely Except for anything <laughs> having to do with going outside or being around people that was recorded before coronavirus. <laughs> Yeah, or sometimes people will ask a question like, I've got something coming up in two days, what do I do? And then we're like, well, you're on your own because this episode comes out in two days. Yeah, (laughs) but maybe you, the listener, have something similar coming up in your own life in two days and that it'll just line right up for you. Yeah, or you will listen to it and it'll just kind of wedge itself into the deep corners of your mind. And then years later in the future, you come across a similar dilemma and you can just dredge Mm -hmm. up that, oh, what was that thing that Robin Morgan said on free advice about this exact Mm -hmm. dilemma? (laughs) That one slimy serpent in my underberg. Oh, there's its little tail. Pinch it between your thumb and forefinger. Oh, yeah, accept yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Get back down there. Join the ball of snakes in my brain. I like that that was a through line. Your yeah. brain being a ball of snakes. That's good. Don't, don't thoughts kind of feel that way? The way they wiggle and you can only see one side of them at a time. And somehow, sometimes they're venomous. You can see all <laughs> yeah, sometimes they're venomous. Sometimes they're just a stick. Um, <laughs> that you mistake for a, a snake. Yeah. Is that a thought? No, it's just a stick. <laughs> Good night. See ya.